Much stronger than expected US jobs growth on Friday night sent US bond yields sharply higher over the weekend. But stocks surged on strong earnings from Meta and Amazon and on expectations that strong profit growth will go with that soft landing in the United States. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our deep dive interview, ANZ's head of Asia research, Kun Go, looks at a slump in the Indonesia rupiah because of election uncertainty and what might happen next. Once we have this political uncertainty shifting away, uh, then uh, we should see the rupiah then rebound and recover. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, Friday night's jobs figures were a doozy. US non-farm payrolls rose 353,000 in January. That was almost double expectations. And called into question the market's view the Fed would be able to start cutting the Fed funds rate from March. Those market views slumped to 20% expectation of a cut in March from 50% a week ago. Even in May now, people are saying they expect a 70% chance of a cut. Previously, it was 90%. And the US 10-year yield rose 21 basis points to 4.02%. That was the biggest rise in one day since September 2022. That strengthened the US dollar, of course, which meant the Aussie and Kiwi dollars fell on Friday night. The Aussie is opening at 5am Sydney Melbourne time at 65.12 US cents while a Kiwi is down at 60.65 US cents. Here's ANZ's Group Chief Economist Richard Yetzinger on that non-farm payrolls result, which he says set the cat amongst the pigeons. Our view has been the Fed will start easing in the third quarter. I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable about that before the payrolls number, wondering whether the Fed might start a bit earlier. After the payrolls number, I'm wondering whether the Fed might go a little bit later. Number two, the strong US jobs growth reinforces the caution expressed by Fed Chair Jerome Powell last week. Here's Richard again. I think the Fed is trying to manage something delicately and so far they're doing a really good job. The market has run with the idea the next sequence of moves are easing and and they're not just easing but the start of that sequence of moves is imminent and I think the Fed's done a good job of pushing back against that in a way that's moderate and controlled. At the same time, it doesn't want to tell the market something different is likely to happen because the Fed's own projections show that easing is likely to be coming. Number three. Coming up this week, the big event is tomorrow's RBA decision in Australia. Markets expect the cash rate to remain on hold, but the real focus will be on updated forecasts and the RBA board's first decision under its new process of a two-day meeting with the release of a full monetary policy statement immediately and a news conference on the same day. Richard describes it as a triple treat. We probably need to stand back and accept that while everybody in this process will be doing the best job they can, this is the first one of these, so we probably should be a bit cautious about trying to overread everything. I think the bank will be trying to retain a bit of hawkishness around their position, but at the same time, uh, the labour market trends have been softer, the retail spending trends are soft, and the inflation numbers uh, for the last quarter have come in, uh, you might say, materially below um, the Reserve Bank's forecast. The bank will try and sound a bit hawkish, but I think the market will focus on those numbers and think the tightening cycle is done. Number four, in New Zealand this week, the focus will be on jobs figures on Wednesday, which are expected to show a rise in unemployment to 4.3% from 3.9%. 
But there were signs of improvement in consumer confidence in the longer run in Friday's figures for January. ANZ New Zealand Chief Economist Sharon Zollner points to a closing of the gap between future confidence and current confidence. Just in the last few months, we've seen quite a strong lift in people's perception of current conditions, whereas the future conditions has been steadier. So that's seen that gap start to close. It's early days. We'll have to see if that continues, but it does have a little bit of a whiff of the worst being over. Number five. Sharon has also found a strong and inverse relationship between consumer confidence and inflation. To explain why New Zealand consumer confidence is lower now, than either during the global financial crisis or the COVID lockdowns. So basically, when inflation soared, consumer confidence tanked. You know, it's that cost of living, uh, that perception of doing it really, really tough, even though actually when inflation was at its peak, so too was wage growth, and wage growth was actually higher than inflation. So, you know, the real cost of that inflation would be overstated if you just looked at the inflation rate and, and naively interpreted that as the hit to people's spending power. There was compensation, not immediately, there was a lag, but people were compensated for inflation. But nonetheless, it does appear there is a visceral hatred of inflation, which, to be fair, actually I think goes quite some way to explaining how and why inflation targeting was introduced in the late 1980s, when of course there had been very high inflation for a prolonged period. Inflation does have real costs, the uncertainty about what inflation is going to be, and real political costs too, because people always blame the government. Sharon's on there. Now, in our deep dive interview, ANZ's head of Asia Research, Kun Go, looks ahead to Indonesia's election on February 14, where there's market uncertainty about the result that has pushed down the Indonesian rupiah. It started at the end of last month with local reports that Chief Security Minister Mahfoud and respected Finance Minister Sri Mulyani Indrawati might quit the cabinet. No one's quit yet, but Kuhn says it unnerved foreign investors. So this just goes to show how fickle perception is and how important it is that there is a semblance of stability throughout the election period. Uh, because if there's any whiff of uncertainty or political instability, I think the natural reaction for foreign investors in particular is to sell first and ask questions later, which is exactly what we saw last week. Could you also talk about the other forces on the rupiah at the moment? Well, it's, it's quite a huge turnaround in the fortunes of the rupiah because uh, for the first half of 2023, the rupiah was actually quite resilient when uh, a lot of the other Asian countries were weakening on the back of you know, expectations that that policy might stay higher for longer. Uh, and the key reason why the rupiah was uh, very, very resilient last year was because it had a strong tailwind of strong commodity prices for its major exports, in particular coal. But since the middle of last year, we've seen quite a sharp fall in those commodity prices. Uh, and as a result, Indonesia had been running current account surpluses suddenly slipped into a current-account deficit position from the middle of last year. So that strong tailwind that the rupiah had is no longer there to support it. And coupled with this uh, recent news, which triggered some uncertainty, uh, has made the rupiah a lot more vulnerable to sentiment and uh, foreign investor flows. How do you think the central bank might respond? Bank Indonesia has already come in to stabilise the rupiah intervention in both the FX and bond markets. And I think they will be prepared to continue to support the rupiah if there is uh, further near-term uh, pressure. 
At this stage, though, I don't expect them to have to do anything more drastic, such as tighten monetary policy. But ultimately, I think we need to uh, see you know, some semblance uh, confidence returning that there's not going to be any um, you know, political uncertainty, that the elections will carry on and there will be no disruptions to the normal functioning of cabinet or government until the uh, new administration is sworn in, which, by the way, is not until uh, the 20th of October. So that's still you know, quite a, a long way off, even though the first round of the election is happening on the 14th of February. Could you explain how movements and interest rate differentials over that time might move the rupiah around? Uh, well, the interest rate differential is very important for the rupiah. That's why uh, there's always a need for some kind of a premium of Indonesian yields over uh, the U.S. in order to entice foreign investors to, to buy Indonesian bonds. So our expectation is that with the Fed cutting rates towards the second half of the year, that should be supportive for the rupiah because that's going to uh, open up a, a larger yield differential in favour of the rupiah. Couldn't go there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Monday, February the 5th. Catch you tomorrow with a much closer preview of the RBA's decision due at 2.30 Australian time. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.